There's so much that can be said about Sabbath that we could have made this the theme of the entire summer series. But as it is, we only have one Sunday devoted to it, and it's Communion Sunday, no less, and it's Independence Day weekend, no less, and a lot of you are perhaps wearing your swim trunks right now, just waiting for us to get out of here so that you can go to the barbecue or the beach or the fireworks celebration. So it needs to be concise, this sermon. I wanted to keep it brief and hold up just these two words. For you, the Sabbath is for you. You remember the first Sunday of this series when we thought about the commandments as gifts, a gift, uh, as Eugenia Gamble calls them, words of love. And none of them show forth that gift-like character quite as much as this commandment, the fourth one, the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. It's a day to the Lord, to be sure, but it's also a day for you. Jesus said the Sabbath was made for you and not the other way around. It is God's wondrous gift, the gift of stopping, just stopping, ceasing work, spending a day producing nothing, accomplishing nothing, contributing nothing to the economy. One full day with your eyes fixed on the grace and peace of God. This day, the Sabbath day, is for you. And not just you, it's a plural you. It's the Sabbath is for y'all, we might say. All y'all. Men and women, the enslaved persons in your midst, says the text. Even the animals, even the animals get Sabbath. And the fields, we learn in other places, the fields get time off. The whole created order gets to stop, is summoned to breathe in the air of freedom. What is more free than the ability to stop, to cease? In Deuteronomy's version of the commandment, the link to freedom is made even more explicit. You keep the commandment, says the word in Deuteronomy, you stop and you let everyone else stop, even the slave, even the foreigner, even the Gentile. Why? Because you were slaves. You were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord led you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. The seeds of liberation and freedom are right there in the Sabbath. As Karl Barth said, on the Sabbath we are to celebrate, rejoice, and be free to the glory of God. Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel said that the Sabbath was a palace in time, an example of the world 
to come. And you remember, those of you who are reading the book, remember what Gamble says, Sabbath keeping connects us with eternity. When we stop our constant doing and orient ourselves toward God, she writes, we find that everything really is a gift in the first place. Our hearts beat, our lungs breathe, our blood flows, all of that without our asking. The sun rises, the sun sets. We do not control it. What a gift that is that we do not control it. Sabbath is a gift. It's for you. It's for me. It's for y'all. It's for all. And it may be the one commandment out of all of them that we take with less seriousness than all other nine. I remember my Bible professor in college, Dr. Bill Ramsey, telling the class one time that he and his wife did not shop on Saturdays, did not bathe on Saturdays, and really tried to set that day apart from all other days. We responded almost to a person that that was just really weird. Not to his face, of course, but soon after leaving the class, we would look at each other like, what, does, what is that all about? How old-fashioned is that? We certainly did not have that reaction to the idolatry commandment, to the murder commandment, to the one about lying or adultery or honoring the name of God or honoring our parents. We know that those commandments, those are deadly serious things, but, but the Sabbath, as the kids say, meh. You know? My friend John would drive up to his house on Sunday after worship to find his neighbor mowing the lawn. And the neighbor would inevitably turn off the mower and yell over to John, I went to the early service at my church, which was a Methodist church, so I'm good. <laughs> to which John would always reply, it was kind of their liturgy, he said, I wish you Methodists understood the Sabbath better it's a violation of the Sabbath to mow your own lawn, but it's a devout spiritual practice to mow your neighbor's lawn. <laughs> and they both laughed, and you would never think they were talking about something serious. The Sabbath. That's kind of how we do with the Sabbath. And it's not hard to figure out why. Our culture does not place much stock in stopping in ceasing productivity. The great Protestant work ethic, after all, is what founded this nation. The command to not work, it just seems a little un-American, a little suspect. I wonder, though, if we ought not to reconsider Sabbath, not only because it's a central commandment, which it is, but because it is a gift a gift we need in our own time. As I was preparing the sermon, a segment of a famous poem, The Second Coming by William Butler Yeats, kept coming to my mind. Turning and turning in the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Things fall apart. 
the center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loosed, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. Yeats wrote this poem in 1919. Those of you who know your history know it was a world reeling from the aftermath of the Bolshevik Revolution in Russia in 1917 and the end of World War I in 1918, with rumblings already of another war on the horizon. There was a massive disillusionment with the way the 20th century was turning out to be. There was so much hope for the 20th century. And look at how it had started blood-dimmed tide set loose in the world. But the line that haunts me, the one that keeps coming to my mind, was the third one. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. For Yeats, the widening gyre, think about a fidget spinner that spins and spins in that center part that stays still. Spins so fast that The center itself can no longer hold. The frenetic spinning spinning leads to anarchy loosed upon the world, silencing the best among us, emboldening the worst. I went for a physical not long ago, and my doctor came in, and I've been seeing this doctor for 18 years now, and so we know each other fairly well. He wanted to talk. What's happening to our country, he asked me. I used to be able, he said, to sit down with family and friends and we'd talk about all kinds of difficult things and politics and cultural issues, you name it. And we may not agree, we may disagree strongly at times, but we talked about it. And usually in the talking, we found our way, these were his words, to the center. Now everyone is just angry and rushing to the extremes. There's no more talking, just yelling. I know what he means. I wanted to answer him, but I wasn't wearing very many clothes at that moment, and I just wanted to get it over with. In another setting, maybe I would have said what I was thinking in that moment. We need Sabbath. America needs Sabbath, a great return to the center. You know the center? That space where we loosen our grip on all of our striving, where we cease work and production, where we cease our need to be right even, where we come together, together with our faces all turned in the same direction toward the source of all that is, the one who created us, the one who rested, the one who liberated, the one who summons us, all of us, to Sabbath rest. For the center to hold, I believe, those of us who take the name of Christ will need to do our part. We'll need to take more seriously the fourth commandment 
and return to the center, to the great breathing space that God commands. Now, you may be asking some practical questions at this point. Well, pastor, should it be Saturday or Sunday or another day? Am I allowed to cut the grass, my neighbor's grass, refrain from bathing, not drive or shop? And your pastor's answer to all those questions is, I have no earthly idea. I don't know. Our Sabbath observance will probably be as unique and diverse as we are. But can I make one suggestion? Almost any Sabbath I have observed worthy of the name has centered on a table. That place where we come together to share food and meaningful conversation, to disagree even, strongly even, but always to love. You know, it's hard to despise someone who's passing you the gravy. It really is. This is the place to start. At a table set not by us, but by our Lord, who invites us to come to rest, to cease, to love, to find the center, to breathe. Jesus says it, the words that started us off this morning, the Sabbath was made for you, for you. It is a gift, so let us receive it for the sake of the nation, for the sake of the world, for your sake, for God's sake. Amen.